The crowd are applauding as Colin Murakawa just needs a bogey to win the 149th Open Championship. The first man in history to win two majors on his debut. Incredible scenes here as the sun glazes down onto the green, every contour visible. Records being broken, history made on this iconic turf. This undulating wild Duneland area on the Kent coastline. The last Open Championship, of course, was 2011, won by Darren Clark. Before that, it was Ben Curtis in 2003. This is simply the greatest walk in golf. Colin Murakawa lines up his final putt. He's taken it, it's gone in. He is the Open Champion 2021. He lifts his hands to the crowd. Cheers all round, a hug for his caddy. What an emotional moment for the young man. Oh, listen to those cheers. And with a score of 265, the winner of the gold medal and the champion golfer of the year is Colin Morikawa. From Royal St George's, at the 149th Open Championship. This is the Open Podcasts. Once again, we're on the first tee by the Starters Hut, overlooking the 18th. The crowds, well, it's absolutely packed surrounding the green as Colin Murakawa clinches the 149th Open Championship, the legendary Claret Jug and the title of Champion Golfer of the Year. I'm Di Doherty, this is the Open Podcast and we're back at our a trusty starters position as I say. Delighted to have Matt Adams who's fresh as a daisy coming off the golf course having followed Jordan Spieth. He's Hardly exhausted. That. Hardly that. Oh it's so good to have you with us. Lovely to see you. And a big welcome to Paul Eels. He's been following, you've been following in fact, the final pairing today which must have been pretty special Paul. Oh Di it was an absolute treat and, uh, and a pleasure to watch two great champions play. Well, he was calm, he was cool, collected, a bogey-free round, Paul, of 66. Yes, it was, and he went through his process from the very first. He and his caddy, they worked together, they talked through the shots they were going to play. A couple of unforced errors at number 10 and number 15, but that hat-trick of birdies, um, you know, 7, 8, 9 on that front nine, just to get him in front, and after that he was, he was really faultless. It was a fantastic display from a champion golfer. Yeah. Matt, how efficient is he as a player? He's incredibly efficient. His ball striking is a thing that is so incredibly impressive. He leads the PGA Tour in strokes gained in two important categories. Now, as you know, Dai, strokes gained is, the, is an average against the whole rest of the field. And he leads in strokes gained approach and strokes gained tee to greens, uh, which speaks to uh, his prowess, but that's not it. He's the best in greens and regulation in majors. He has the highest driving accuracy in majors. His performance in majors were nothing short of remarkable. Tied for 18th at the Masters, tied for 8th at the PGA, tied for 4th at the U.S. Open. We are watching. It's more than immersions because he already is a major champion. Now he's a multiple-time major champion. We're truly watching the start of a historic player. It, it's it, saying all those facts have given me goosebumps. Two majors in his first eight starts, and the first man in history to win two majors on his debut. Can we start the conversation chatting about Colin Murakawa and Tiger Woods? 
Whoa, that, that's a good question, Di. Uh, well, yeah, you've got to start the conversation. How far you go, I'm not really sure. I'm just going to throw you, when Colin joined the PGA Tour, went 22 cuts yeah. without a miscut. Yeah. Uh, that's the second longest streak. Tiger Woods, 25. Yeah. How would you compare him to Tiger Woods? Can we say compare? I wouldn't. It's a, he's a different type of player. I think he's going to be a massive champion. I think he's obviously got the ability to go uh, extreme distances in, in terms of record books, in terms of history. Uh, if you if you look at Tiger's performance comparative uh, at this point, Tiger is still, pardon the pun, a different cat. As yet, it doesn't mean that Colin Morikawa can't emerge into something like that because I think we are actually watching the evolution of a player right before our eyes. And I'll give you an example of why I'm saying that. And Paul, you, I'm sure you can attest to the same because you were an eyewitness to it. The way he carried himself, the poise with which he carried himself, the fact that he doesn't panic when he's absolutely in the middle of the swirling fray is the thing that impresses me more than anything. Tiger had a slit your throat type of mentality. Tiger was out to beat the world and Tiger channeled a chip on his shoulder. This young man is playing with a grace that I have not seen in a long time. Very impressive. Yeah, and, and, and also, Muddy, the, the, the resilience that Tiger Woods has shown through his career, I've seen that in Colin Morikawa because last week I watched him at the Scottish Open put like he'd never held a golf club in his that's hands remarkable. in his life before. Quick turnaround he, in a week. Well, that's absolutely right, Di. And then he comes in, he's the Open champion. And he was in Scotland trying to learn for the first time how to play Lynx golf. And boy, that's is amazing. he a quick learner or what? That is amazing. What kind of laser focus did you see from him today? Well, it was Tiger-like in a way, that, yeah. but the, the conversation with he and his caddy on every shot, they talked it through. Where do we want the ball to go? How far do we want to go? And once the, the information was given to Colin by the caddy, he went and he, and he expedited it. It was, it was an absolute show of a ruthless champion, mm. which again, you could link to Tiger Woods. Similarities. Yeah, that kind of mental fortitude to be able to go and play Lynx golf for a week before and come to the Open Championship. We often talk about scar tissue in golf. Well, there isn't any, is there? I mean, there's a, there's a fearlessness, but there's a hunger, there's a desire, a graceful desire to learn and to improve. There's a confidence that he carries with him. It, it's not a boastfulness. It's not an arrogance in any way. It, it, you don't get the sense that he walks into the locker room like the, the stories of the great Walter Hagen, who won on these very grounds, who said, uh, who's going to finish second? You don't get any of that sense whatsoever. Uh, it, to me, it's the, the reason why these events are so important and the reason why this major, the Open, the world's major, is, is so critical is because every time something happens, it gets etched into history books. Obviously, every winner gets head, etched into history books, but you talked about he is the first ever to win in his two major debuts. I mean, first we, ever we, to do it remarkable stats. It, it's unbelievable. The, the last to win in their debut at the Open, by the way, was again right here in this property in 2003. And I love the way history, I love the way sport, yeah. I love the way golf draws these bridges from time and eras. Uh, in He was the tw in 2020 PGA he won it in his debut was the other, just for clarity on that. And to do all these things, and again, to carry himself with the dignity with which he carries himself, I think he's going to be an absolute world star. Yeah. I, I just think that once people get to know him better yeah. and see how humble he is and see how committed he is, I, and this is another thing I'll tell you that, that, that may surprise you a little bit. I don't think winning two major championships at his tender age is going to change him. No. <laughs> 
he is who he is. I mm. mean, it's, that's what these stars are very, very unique. That's just amazing to hear. Paul, you were out on the course with him. Tell us a little bit about his game, uh, especially during that, those streak of birdies. Seven, eight, nine. Yeah, on, on number seven, the par five, he, he, that was the first fairway he'd missed, and only by inches into the left-hand <laughs> rough, he, he whacked this long iron just short of the green and two-putted for the birdie, fine. The next hole, the eighth, is, is quite a tough hole. It's a plateau fairway. The pin is tucked away in the back corner. He hit a sensational iron shot to around about 12 feet, rolled that one in. And then coming down, number nine, well... Again, perfect down the middle, pitched on and rolled another one in. Mm. And these were the ones that weren't going in the, the week before. He had eight single putt greens in his first 16. And really, that was the thing that carried him forward. There was only two errors. Number 10, where he missed the green to the right and 11, where he missed to, uh, sorry, 15, where he missed to the left. But two reasonable pitch shots and two super putts from 10 feet made pars. Yeah, how crucial were those par saves? Oh, huge. Particularly the one at 15 because Jordan Spieth, whether he was looking, but we could hear in commentary from Maddie how Jordan Spieth was moving forward and it was getting closer. Was it one? Was it two? He didn't know that. He just went about his business, went about the, the, the procedures that he and his caddy had set in place and he just rolled it calmly straight in the middle. What do you see from a player when they can keep edging out in front they don't let the lead go they can just keep repeating repeating what was interesting because you never got a sense that he was playing match play with the group in front of him no. i i presume that he knew what was going on but he's but he's so serene it's hard to know if he actually knew i'll be curious when i get a chance to hear him speak to find out what his perspective yeah. was was he looking around at any any boards he, or anything no he didn't appear to be he was just chatting away he looked ever so calm smiles on his face he was acknowledging the crowd with being too exuberant with his, his gestures and I think he was just going through the process one shot at a time and giving everything to that particular shot in that particular moment mm. and that saw him through fantastic play staying in the moment not getting ahead of yeah, himself so absolutely. a bogey free round uh, in the 60s here a bogey free round in the 60s at the US PGA Championship he was two behind Justin Johnson after 54 holes there one behind Louis Oosthuizen that determined that grit that mental approach to the game is as you say it's, it's history being made here at Royal St George's it is and when you look at great players too they win on different types of venues and he is demonstrating that ability that he can win pretty much any place he tees it up because his ball striking is so good. And as Ilzi was just pointing out to us uh, from the Renaissance Club last week at the Scottish Open to this week, there are different types of shots that one has to play on a Lynx golf course. And he was executing those shots. Obviously, did it to perfection. He's the champion golfer of the year. It's really mm. cool and it's very exciting. And and I think, uh, you know, another thing, Di, that I would love to mention is I love the way that the high stature of, of this golf course, Royal St. George's, I think took another massive leap forward. I think once the world got to see it again and got to know it better, and of course it was bathed in marvelous sunshine and warm temperatures, I think that this is, again, one of the golf courses that people are going to look at it and say, this is one of the great courses in the world. Yeah. Look at the champion yeah. it produced. Look at look at the tournament that mm -hmm. it produced. Uh, the, the fact that we were able to have this open again, I mean, the fact we missed it because of COVID last year only made us want it even more. And for Royal St. George's to have the honor of being the, the host site of its return, to have a champion of this caliber. And like I said, I, I think their, their standing in the world, which was already very high, is much higher 
higher now. Mm. And, and just talking about his character, last week in his press conferences uh, before the Scottish Open, they were asking him about you know his first trip to Europe, his first tournament in Scotland, and he said, you know, I'm here to learn. <laughs> You know, this is not about Great this week and, yeah, and Colin Morikawa. This is about long term. And I want to learn how to play Lynx golf. And I want to learn from my European tour colleagues, which I thought was a wonderful thing being mm. a European tour member. That He's been chatting to Brooks Kepka then, surely. Yeah. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> he well played on the Challenge Tour. Yeah. He would absolutely love playing on the Challenge Tour and learned so much. Yeah. And it, you know, we have a world star in our yeah. midst now, Colin Morikawa. We've got another first time winner of the Open Championship. The last eight winners of the Open have been first time winners of this championship what kind of storyline is that telling us uh, it speaks of depth it speaks all, all these things about the world here here you had Colin Morikawa last week talking about conferring with colleagues on the European tour you've got his colleagues on the PGA tour I mean we're in a Ryder Cup year and and you have a star emerge such as this and then the battle that we had down the stretch particularly with what John Rahm did in the final round of the Open I mean in every way it, it speaks to just how good the world of golf is no matter mm. where you are in the world of golf absolutely fascinating and these young guys coming out of co the college system i mean colin won on his sixth start on the pga tour he won his P first pga tour event we, we touched on it a couple of days ago i mean they're coming out here and they're ready to win yeah i was talking to bones Mackay. he was out working for tv phil mickelson's old caddy and he was saying colin stayed that extra year in college yeah to do his studies but to make sure everything was in place for when he did turn pro that there was and all he had to do then was to go and play and I don't know whether you've heard that story or not but that speaks to me of somebody that's you know mature beyond these years yes. that he could go do you know what I'm not in a rush to do this I'm going to take my time I'm going to get all my ducks in a row and then I'm going to go and play golf mm. and you know we've seen him play some beautiful golf this week. Is he an old head on young shoulders? Absolutely. Could not have said it better. He has a maturity that seems to go beyond his years, and we've seen it with so many of these young players. And I do think it, it relates to what you were asking about. I think it relates to the, the junior system around the world. I think it relates to the collegiate system. Uh, the fact that these players are coming in, they're facing the same players that they one day will be competing against uh, around the world of golf, whether it's a European tour or the PGA tour or otherwise, they're coming in ready to win they're coming in better trained and they're also coming in with a maturity level that just you you can't get any place else than stiff competition it's it's really mm -hmm. quite remarkable Colin Murakawa, 24 years young, four rounds in the 60s here at Royal St George's he is the champion golfer of the year let's hear from him now this is by far one of the best moments of my life to see everyone out here look at all these fans let's hear it for you guys you guys have been amazing. I'm obviously very biased being from the US, but to see some of the best crowds I've ever seen out here, I look forward to making my trip every year to the British Open and see you guys cheer us on. Thank you guys. I wouldn't be here um, without my family, my friends, my parents, my brother, Kat, my girlfriend. Um, they, didn't, they weren't able to make the trip, and normally they make the trip to uh, majors, but I know they've been waking up really early to watch me play, and um, I can feel the love, so I love you guys so much. I hope I get to see you guys really soon. I know I'll see Kat really soon, um, so thank you guys as well. Another key 
person, I don't know where he is, JJ, I see him now. It's his 39th birthday. Everyone wish him happy birthday. <laughs> oh, we're way off. <laughs> Happy birthday, JJ. I touched on this at my last win in WGC earlier this year. Um, it was about giving thanks. And I'm sure a lot of you guys out here with friends, family, whoever may be, someone close to you, um, just look over to them right now and just say thank you. Uh, we are all so honored to be out here, to be out on this beautiful golf course. Royal St. George has put on a great, great major championship. And um, to be called the Open Championship winner, to be called the championship winner of the year, um, it gives me chills. It's giving me chills right now. So thank you guys to everyone, every single one of you out here, every single one of you guys watching. Um, let's keep this going. Thank you guys. Jordan Spieth, the winner of the Open Championship in 2017, has finished in second spot, 13 under par. Matt, you were following his group. It was just too little too late, wasn't it? I, it was, yeah, but I could even go back to yesterday with that, with, with bogeys on 17 and 18. Uh, Jordan was, was starting to, to fight some demons, and he held it together. I mean, if, if someone asked me forensically to go back to when he was having his trouble yesterday, it was actually at the eighth hole. And from that point really? on, he kind of held it together until he was unable to, to keep the seams from bursting on 17 and 18. But, you know, he missed a, a couple of really makeable little putts. Uh, today, I thought he put up a great fight. You know, from, from the, the seventh hole on, yes. he, went, he yeah. had seven under par. Now, granted, he had two bogeys prior to that uh, but he had his opportunities I, I if I if I had to guess my feeling would be that Jordan would feel like this is one that did get away uh -huh. because to finish as close as he did with all of the opportunities that were left wanting super frustrating I mm. could see that now but if you're a Jordan Spieth fan, if you're a fan of the game, you've got to look at it from the perspective and go, wait a minute, this was Jordan Spieth being Jordan Spieth again. Yeah. Exciting, not really sure what was going to happen, doing it with great ball striking, uh, making putts that you didn't expect him to necessarily make. So uh, for all the things that Jordan Spieth is, I hope as, as the emotions of it start to settle a little bit, that he starts to measure by how close he was instead of how far. Yeah. There was, a, there was a moment on the eighth hole where he seemed pretty irritated. I don't know if something happened from someone in the gallery. He played his second shot and he was talking so much to his caddy and turning around. Obviously, he was coming off the back of that eagle on seven. We thought he was getting right back into it. But in terms of his demeanour on the course, I mean, we saw the, the usual Jordan chatting and talking all the time and almost like expelling energy, which is what you can do in the game of golf as you walk down the fairway. Yeah, he... He tends to be jittery, and, yeah. and I've had a colleague describe it as a cat on a hot tin roof. And <laughs> that's that's a good analogy. On eight, if you re, if you remember, he didn't hit a great shot there, and and ended up being in the pot bunker on the right, and perhaps even that upset him. It's hard to tell, and and well, I don't, he turned around as soon as he'd hit it, as if something had irritated him. Maybe been, he just irritated himself. It, it, it could have been. I don't know, but I could tell you this because from what we, from where we were, I couldn't tell the day before in the same hole. He snapped his drive left, and he was in the deep rough. He had 175 to cover the fescue to the front of the green. 
and he hit his second shot and it caught the facing of the hill and it was that's covered with deep deep grass but the hill released it from its clutches and as you this is what i mean about jordan and just his mind going and he came walking down the path that's cut between the grass the the deep rough and he looked up at me and he said where did it hit and at first i wasn't sure he was actually talking to me i, yeah. I didn't know if he was talking to michael or whoever uh -huh. he was talking. but he looked at me again he said where where'd the ball come down i said it no he said where did it pitch i said it pitched right in the middle of the hill in the very deep grass and released forward. He kind of shook his head like somehow that satisfied a debate that he was having either internally or really? with Michael about really? where that ball ended up. And that's Jordan. He's, yeah. he's chatting all the time. Analytical. Analytical on 10. Uh, there were some people that he had to move out of the way. And after he did that, I could see him laughing and smiling and talking to them. He, he's got, Jordan's got a really good heart and he connects with people obviously very well. Uh, and, and I think in, in this case, and that's what makes it so much fun. He stands in contrast to the fact that Colin Morikawa looks looks like the duck in the pond, just looks smooth <laughs> as can be. And and Jordan is his jittery self, and he's talking away. And if we could mic him up, we wouldn't need to do play-by-play -play for Jordan yeah, Spieth playing yeah. golf. You would know. Do you feel like he will take the positives from this week? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about resilience, or I've talked about resilience before. He has it in abundance, isn't he, Maddie? And, yeah. you know, we, we know the traumas that he's had with the short putting and whatever, but he's still there contending for majors. So Jordan Spieth's not going anywhere. He's, yeah. he's around to stay for a while. It's a, it's a, a hugely exciting time mm. for men's professional golf. I didn't know if we were going to see a Jordan Spieth streak on the back nine. I mean, he was back in 32. He's three under par for his last nine holes. But as you say, from, from the seventh hole, he really kicked into a different yeah. gear, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, and he can go on those streaks like we and, saw at Royal. And he was Birkdale. really close to yeah. it. It's just, it's just what direction fate decided to go. He he burned a lot of edges, yeah. and still finished as close as he did, and did all the things that Jordan does. But, I mean, it, this morning when I was looking at Jordan's own performance as a yardstick against uh, uh, trying to surmise if it was possible, he's on the PJ Tour. His average is ninth in third round scoring his average in final round scoring soars up to 142nd which wow. isn't even at the average so it tells you that as jordan by his own admission i, I would guess is on his march back to form yeah to being what he used to be he's not yet even 100 percent there which as paul was just saying if you're a fan of of the game of golf on a global scale you can't ask for anything better than that yeah Okay, he's finished in second spot, 13 under, which was the, the winning score, wasn't it, back in 1993? And it's been beaten now by Colin Morikawa. But let's hear from Jordan Spieth speaking after his round. I've really loved this tournament. Um, played well here, whether I've come in in form or not. Uh, and so last year, missing, missing being able to play this tournament was certainly something that, uh, you know, that I didn't want to do. And now we're back, and, and it feels actually inside the ropes when we teed off on the first tee forward. It feels the most normal of any tournament, I think, that we've played thus far. Instead of a, just a driving range shot in Palm Springs, it's, there's always some shot you have to play that gives you a little bit of an advantage or, um, or certain club selections based on you hit a fade or a draw. They go 15 to 20 yards um, different distances than um, between which shot you play. So I guess to sum that up, there's, a, there's just a lot of external factors over here and I think that um, external is where I need to be living. 
Paul, what did you make of Louis Oosthuizen's performance? Yeah, one ahead going in, into the final round. He didn't do a great deal wrong over the opening uh, three holes. He bogeyed the fourth, so that then put him in a tie with Colin Morikawa for the lead. But it was the par five seventh yep. where things started to unravel for Louis. He, he what happened? Well, he hit a lovely tee shot down the par five. He was in the middle of the fairway. His iron shot that needed to be kept right was a little too far right and it caught the second of the two bunkers that eats into the front right side of the green. From there, he, he caught it a bit thin, to be honest. It was a kind of a shot you'd see on, on, on the members' weekend and this ball <laughs> sort of scuttled across the green and unfortunately found the back edge of the green side bunker on the other side. So he was really mm. up against it there. He came out to around about 45 feet. Two putts was a bogey six when I was hearing that we'd had eagles from Corey Connors and John Rahm had made eagle and, of course, um, Colin Morikawa had made a birdie. So that was the start of it there. And then Did he, did he look authoritative today? Did he look like he was... He was wanting this 149th Open. I don't think Louis ever looks like he wants. I mean, he's just a nice guy. I'm wondering guy, if there was a change he? in demeanour no, at all not today. A, not at all, really. Uh, was he shell-shocked? I'm not really sure. But then, of course, Colin Marikawa with that, I'm going to put my foot on your throat and really show you. He goes yeah. and birdies then eight and nine. So there was a five-shot swing on that front nine between the two players. But then coming home... Louis knocks it back in one under par. Yeah. So he had a couple of birdies and one bogey. So did he fall away? No, he didn't. He, he you know, he, he stuck at it. But Colin Morikawa on the day was just too good. He did say he was going to play aggressive golf before his round. Did you see that? Not really. And with a lot of the shots, and in particular, I'll say that at the fourth hole where he missed the green to the right, he had the tough option of pitching straight at the flag to recover for his par. But he took the safer option and tried to use the big slope on the left-hand side and that left him round about 15 to 18 feet for his par which he didn't make so could he have been more aggressive he could have been with that pitch but it could have all unraveled if he hadn't have got that right so it's it's one of those at, at the time was he aggressive he hit a lot of shots that were, you know were in the right place but just didn't come up for him what are your thoughts on louis uh, result finishing in tied third you know it's it's interesting because to have been in position to win another major championship and to have not gotten it done, a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the banter is going to be, what did Louis do wrong, yeah, necessarily? Yeah. Try to, try Leading to, up to the first, second and third round. Yeah, to kind of look at it forensically and say, you know, where did it all go wrong for, for Louis was tasing. But in, in golf, I think, to my view, that there are tournaments that players lose. Yeah. And there are tournaments in which players simply got beaten by a better player. Uh, and I think that's what happened today. I, th I think we saw a master class from, from Colin Morikawa. Uh, I, I don't think that Louis was tased and rolled over. I, d I don't necessarily think that he somehow lost focus and, and that this will be chalked up to another uh, near miss uh, due to a lack of performance. Uh, I think Louis was tased and was out there trying as hard as he could. It's a testament to the difficulty of this golf course that uh, an admitted mindset coming in of aggressiveness still has to be tempered with patience. Mm. You really don't have any other choice. So I thought I thought he played a great tournament. Uh, I Again, I hope the same way as with Jordan Spieth, that upon reflection, they look at it and say, you know what, instead of, instead of lamenting what didn't happen, I can look at it and go, once again, I was in the mix. And if you keep knocking on the door, uh, he's going to go through that door once again. Mm. 
Paul, when you're playing with a player who has the edge on you in, in the partnership, does that play on your mind as a pro? Well, initially you get frustrated. Some people just melt away into the background, but it was noticeable the class of the guy that Louis Oosthuizen is on the 14th when Colin Morikar was pitch didn't quite reach the crest of the the rise. Louis was urging it on. He was wanting it to go on for him. You know, he could have stood back and gone, oh, it's not my day, I don't care who wins type of thing and, yeah. and spat the dummy out. But he didn't. He was part of it. And then as we saw on 18, he stood back. He let the champion-elect walk on and take the applause and then he followed it on. So huge respect to somebody because it is painful. Every mm. player that's out here is trying to win yeah. and there can only be one winner. Louis thought he had a great chance. He is a champion golfer. It wasn't his day, but he showed great class. Well, of course, Louis is going back to the old course next year for the 150th Open Championship, the setting of his 2010 victory. Don't forget, you can be there by entering the ballot. Here's more details on that. Everything has led to this, a milestone championship. For the first time ever, we will run a ticket ballot for the 150th Open at St Andrews in 2022. We expect unprecedented demand and everyone should have the chance to be there. It's fairer, it's more inclusive, it's safer. What's not to like? Find out more and sign up now at theopen.com. Let's touch on a couple of the other players who were making a move and looked like they were going to be in contention. US Open champion John Rahm, he had those, what, four birdies in his last six holes, Matt. I mean, he was he was on fire. He was the group in front of us. So because, you know, you're always, you're always trying to get out in front of your, your players so you can watch your shots, I actually saw as many of his shots today as I saw as, of, of my own grouping. And with John, most of what I saw, of course, was, was when he had those birdie putts. I believe it was Robert uh, Lee that was on our broadcast that said he easily, easily note, could have been four or five strokes lower because of these putts that just wouldn't drop for him. And I mean, wow. they weren't necessarily unmakeable or even 50-50. They were makeable putts that he just couldn't get the drop. Good efforts didn't burn the edge and wouldn't wouldn't go down. So, again, John Rahm is... is one of the poster boys for the depth of golf in the world. I loved his passion yeah. I, I, num multiple times. And again, you remember he's teeing off and coming across as we're going up. So we would pass each other multiple times today and, and he was mumbling away. And when he talks to himself, <laughs> uh, if he, you know, missed a putt or what have you, he'll be, he'll be prattling on and it's in Spanish, which I think is interesting. Yes. So I don't actually know what he was saying. I bet that's by design, <laughs> but I was, I was close to him a lot and he, and he had that fiery passion. It it was it was really fun to see and yep. think about what we had as as the tournament was starting to congeal at it reaching its culmination in that stretch when we had so many possibilities it was brilliant it was fantastic and you can kind of go under the radar a bit can't you when you're coming from behind making those birdies do you see a future open champion in john rom oh for sure i mean he, he's got all the shots i mean he hits it high hits how it many low. opens then should we go for like oh four five three Three, okay. Three, what about yourself? Yeah. I was going to say four. I like the number that you had. I yeah. mean, think about John. How many did you get? Four, did you say? How yeah. many did Seve yeah. get? Seve got three. Three. Yeah. Three. Yes. Yeah, that, that would do. If you said to John Rom, do you want to equal Seve's open yes. record? I'm sure he'd take that. It's a difficult barometer to compare him to Seve, isn't it? But he was his hero. You know, yeah. Well, five I'm just, majors I'm just, for I was just going to say, think about John Rom next year at St Andrews, the 150th. 
Yeah. Well, you could say that about Bryson. He's got the game for it. Cameron Champ. That's what makes it so much fun. It does. We could say that about Colin Morikawa. Oh, oh yeah. Here we go. Louis was tasing. <laughs> Can you tell me now? We're going to predict the 150th. Are you going to save this? We're going to save this. Yeah, I'm going to send hmm. it to you. And I think I'm going to. If that's the case, I'm going to go with what for, for the one that got away. I'm going yeah. to go with Jordan Spieth. Okay. Ooh. Good shouts. Yes. I had him in 15. Remember when we finished on Monday? Yeah. You you had. Where'd you go? You went to. Switzerland or something or something like that, to play you had a tournament to play in and he he made a absolutely brilliant bomb for birdie at 16 bogeyed the road hole 17th and failed to get up and down for birdie at 18 he had a great drive just just past the valley so I have a funny feeling that, that Jordan's going to go in hot what do you think okay. well who was the last one to defend an open championship where sorry who was the last player to defend an open championship Audric. So I'm going for Colin Morikawa to defend. Oh, I see. Yeah, you see yeah, where I'm going Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, Took yeah. me a little while for the penny to drop then. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> 1800s for a second. I was, I was going to say young Tom. I thought you were speaking a different language. I didn't yeah, know well, where he was going yeah, with that. Well, I'm glad you are with me. If you're going to rhetorical, you give us a cue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for oh, Colin. Seven to away. Okay, okay. Yeah. you're going for Colin Morikawa. To defend, Well, I'm just going to throw it out there and go Ram. John Rahm. Fair enough. There we That's go. That's not climbing far out on the land. No. You're not throwing it far out <laughs> I there, mean, no. literally. <laughs> ridiculous, isn't it? Well, speaking of John, let's hear from him now. It's a good championship. You know, I play really good golf. I think uh, the, the main part of my game that could have been a little bit better is putting. Uh, not that I'm asking to make every putt, but I really struggle making putts that were outside really eight feet, right? Um, even if you take today, uh, I did make the long one on 15, but besides that, every birdie putt I had was short, and even the eagle one, right? Uh, there was a lot of chances out there that, you know, I could have made or that I know that guys up there ahead of me are making. But at the end of the day, you know, still really good showing. Uh, play really good golf all week, and, you know, too bad I'm going to end up just shy. Uh, yeah, I'm still going to smile because I gave it my all, finished really, really strong, and gave myself the best chance I could. Well, Dylan Fratelli, who wasn't in the championship on Sunday, he was 11th reserve, got in on Monday and has finished in fifth spot, nine under par. Brooks Kepka, who admitted he didn't like the course at the beginning of the week, fantastic final round of minus five, eight under for the championship, alongside Canadian Mackenzie Hughes. Dustin Johnson had a good final day at three under, seven under, tied eighth with Scotsman, the only Scot in the field, Robert McIntyre, uh, Daniel Berger and Scotty Scheffler. Well, today, the civil medal was on the line for the first time since 2018. Insi Mehmet brings us up to date. On Friday, I followed a 23-year-old German amateur, Matthias Schmidt, as he shot 65 to equal the record for the lowest round by an amateur at the Open Championship. That performance not only elevated him into the weekend, but also a chance to etch his name into the history books. The silver medal is awarded to the lowest scoring amateur over 72 holes at an Open Championship, and since 1949, only 45 players have taken the honour. Today, Matthias Schmidt looks set to join them with a five-shot lead over the only other amateur out on the golf course. On the tee from Germany, Matthias Schmidt. I'm the father and I'm the support of my son. Huh? I was myself a PGA professional, but a teaching professional, and I bring him to golf about four years. So we make step by step, and now it's our 
maybe our tenth time for playing on the European tour or um, here on the on the majors. I'm very proud of him, and I think it's a great step for him for the next step he want to play uh, at the European tour. Yeah. Our big hope is uh, that we play next year again, not for an invite for the amateur, so for a professional. That's our dream. So we're here on the 18th tee box, just watching Matthias Schmidt tee up, about to stride down the fairways, the final hole of the Open Championship, on his way to pick up the silver medal. This is such a great feeling as an amateur to be walking down the final hole, the 18th here at Royal St George's. You've got the grandstand behind the green, relatively packed, and this is a special moment. Really important to be soaking in all the great energy. It's been a week to remember, that's for sure. He's got so much to be pleased with himself with. You've got proud dad behind just filming his walk down the 18th. You can hear the applause. Soak it in, young man. So Matthias Schmidt closes out his round and seals his status as a silver medal winner of the 149th Open Championship and the first winner since 2018. A week he will never forget with a bright future to look forward to. The amateur who has won the silver medal, Matthias Schmidt, has finished at two over par. We haven't had a winner of the silver medal since Carnoustie in 2018. What a remarkable achievement for him, Paul. It is, and all I'm hearing from caddies and players that have been around that have played with him, what a great player this young man is going to be. So there's another one to add to the list, maybe for next year or, or years to come, but what a prospect. He equalled the lowest round ever by an amateur on Friday with that 65 what have you seen from Matthias this week? Uh, I haven't seen him play at all, to be fair. With, <laughs> with, with, with my assignments, but I am terribly You've been impressed. very busy. Yeah. But what a wonderful achievement for him. It's We're going to give him a lot of applause. I mean, I was sitting here shaking my head because when you said the 65, to shoot the lowest yeah, round ever for an amateur, it does speak to the future of that young man, clearly, obviously, uh, again, but it's just one more thing that distinguishes the history books, and that's what's so wonderful about majors, in particular about the Open. Sehr gut from Matthias Schmidt. Let's hear the moment he received that silver medal. Ladies and gentlemen, the leading amateur and winner of the silver medal, Matthias Schmidt. The German is thrilled to join such a prestigious roster of past winners and says it's something he's been working hard to accomplish. Looking back on the amateur career, it's every time uh, I teed it up on the bigger stage, um, it shows you what you need to improve on and every opportunity I got um, I'm, I'm thankful for and uh, made me a better player even though some of the time I didn't play well. Silver medal uh, was the goal coming here and uh, it's a dream come true for me to realize that and it's a good list to be part of and I hope I can join a few more of similar lists in the future. <laughs> The sun is setting here at Royal St George's and the crowds are still milling around the 18th green. People don't want to go home, they want to stay and really soak up the atmosphere till the bitter end. Paul, what were the crowds like out on the course? Oh, they were magnificent. Uh, very, very polite. There was cheers at the right time um, and they were so enthusiastic because obviously been um, 
12 months when they thought they were going to get the open here which was obviously sadly taken from us but here and they were all out in their numbers and there were families it wasn't just the men that you would normally think of there was young children out here watching and, and really really enjoying the spectacle that these great players put on for them you might hear a little bit of dismantling going on on the first tee there they're not taking the grandstand down straight away somebody's just dealing with the ladder 152,330 through the gates this week how good is this for the human spirit Matt oh I think it's tremendous I, you know it's because it's not only the numbers that were on the grounds here but the millions who are engaged in this open around the world when when you look at what the world has been dealing with with the the, the, the COVID pandemic and uh, floods in Europe and and everything that, that's circling around the globe events like this raise people up and mm. the fact that you could have Absolutely. an event like this that ends up being a pretty good race right to the end i mean no open even the, even a two-shot lead on at, at an open would you feel comfortable on the tee box <laughs> right anything could still take place which is a credit obviously to, to colin morikawa and the poise and dignity and and stability and consistency that he displayed throughout particularly in the finish but i think that as you're alluding to that this open uh, thanks to the rna for for their efforts thanks to the thousands and thousands of volunteers that are are behind all of this and thanks to the what is i think the lifeblood of any event and and that's the fans that's the fans that are on site and that's the fans that are engaging all around the world in whatever medium that they are consuming it and there are a myriad of the same now uh, i i really believe that at the time and place this was desperately needed and mm -hmm. and we had we were bathed in this brilliant sunshine to make this even more distinctive Gorgeous. and open. Mm. So in every way, th this was about raising the human spirit. And that's where the inspiration was. It was tremendous. Mm. Colin Murakawa with the lowest score in the Open Championship here at Royal St. George's, finishing at 15 under par. He is the champion golfer of the year. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the last 45 minutes here on the first tee. It's been a pleasure. It was an honor, thank you. Thank you, Di. Remember to subscribe to The Open Podcast. We have so many more documentaries of past Open Championships and the game's greatest players. Stay tuned for golf's greatest stories from golf's original major. You can find our full archive on the preferred podcast platform of your choice or theopen.com forward slash podcasts. But from Royal St George's for the 149th Open Championship, your champion golfer of the year is Colin Morikawa. We look forward to seeing you next year at St Andrews. This has been an original audio production from The Open.